cold out there this morning, I know it, and I appreciate those that, were, that took care of setup. And what we had to do this morning, with, with the loss of Mark and, and some other key people who were away or sick this morning, we had to shorten up our focus group at 1020 and knock out some of the rest of the setup this morning. That was a good thing. But you guys were sitting on cold seats. Sorry about that. They usually get brought in here at 830, but we couldn't get to it till later today because of our, our setup shortcomings this morning. So that, that happens. It's part of being part, part of, of meeting in a borrowed facility. We're very thankful for this. Very thankful that we get to meet here. What a, what a privilege it is. But we understand the, the, the difficulties that are associated with it. Be praying for us. It's time again for us to submit the paperwork to, to get permission again. If you didn't know this, we have to request permission from the county every three months. Every three months we have to say, hey, will you let us meet there again? Every three months. Right now, it's Pastor Billy's, um, part of his, his life right now is going down there and, and turning in that paperwork. And every time you drop that paperwork off, there's kind of a little sor- sort of funny feeling in your stomach. And that's called faith. That's called faith. It's trusting God to provide. We walk by faith, not by sight. And I trust that you're doing that in your life. In some arena in your life. Because without faith, is it impossible to please God? Wow. It's a big deal that we walk by faith. You know, I, I've become a kind of a student of language. When I was in high school, I was a horrible student. I'm sorry, parents, to say this in front of your, in front of your children, but I really was. I mean, I, I didn't work hard, okay? All I really wanted to do was play basketball and fish. I didn't really do any schoolwork. I, I, just, I, I just wasted that education. But a weird thing happened to me about my senior year of high school. I started to love learning. Now, you guys know, if you know me, if you talk to me, you know that I love to read. I am always reading like four or five books. Seriously, I just love to read. I had never read a book until my fiance, Nancy, told me I had to read Great Gatsby. She was an English major. She was, she was engaged to be married to a guy who had never read a book ever in my life. I just, read? Why am I going to read? I can fish. I can play basketball. I'll tell you a story. I don't need to read one, right? But God has kind of made me, like, he's changed my heart a little bit, and I'm learning to really enjoy language. I tell you, it's as cold as a cucumber outside, isn't it? The other morning, there was a blanket of snow, right? What about the elephant in the room? The 800-pound gorilla. After some meetings, I'll say, he was like a bull in the china closet. What are these things that I'm doing? What is this? He wears his heart on his sleeve. She's got a heart of stone. Oh, poor girl. She's brokenhearted. We use these metaphors. Is that right, English teacher? Kind of, simile, I don't know. But we use these expressions to express a truth that we can't really say it in any other way. He's as blind as a bat. She's as quiet as a mouse. He's as busy as a bee. These metaphors and similes, this this figurative language that we use to try to express truth. You know, God is the architect of that. 
God is the architect of that kind of language. Let me tell you what God says about himself. He speaks in this kind of figurative language. In Deuteronomy 31, you don't need to turn there, but maybe it's 32. You can look at it sometime. There's all these these figurative terms that God uses for himself. And I'm going to work my way up to one today, and it's servant. That's where I'm headed. In Deuteronomy 32, it's it's written by Moses. Okay, God is called a rock, an eagle. Even first himself is an eyelid. Huh, really? Find it. Find it. Deuteronomy 32. It's there. It's there. You'll find it. A father, a mother. There's a great song that um, a friend of mine wrote. His name is Andy Maples. And it goes like this. In a desert land you found me. In a barren and howling waste. You shielded me. I'm, I'm singing it in my head because I don't want to sing it out loud. And cared for me like an eagle cares for the young in its nest. That's straight out of Deuteronomy 32. Okay, you should spend some time in Deuteronomy 32 and see the figurative language. Because God is so big and God is so grand and God is so much that just simple words won't work. God paints these pictures for us that he is a rock, that he is a stone, that he is a father, that he is a king. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the vine, I'm the branches. Jesus said, I'm like a mother hen wanting to gather in the chicks. Sheep and shepherd calls us his friend, brothers, the father, child, a bride and her groom, and a servant. And there's more. There's more. This passage strikes me. It's from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is telling this story. It's a parable. It's a, it's a made-up story that he's telling, but, it, but it, it reflects a truth about your future if you're in Christ. It reflects a truth that one day you and I will stand before the Lord. You and I will stand there and God is going to speak to us words of affirmation. A a, a proclamation of praise from God. Where he is going to speak to us on whether we were faithful to the opportunities that God gives us. Now not everybody gets the same opportunities. There's, There's not a quality in opportunities. I understand that. That's just the way life works. There are people that have far greater responsibilities and opportunities than I would ever dream of having. But God, God doesn't evaluate us on whether he gives us opportunities or possibilities. He looks for faithfulness. Faithfulness. Do we do what God lays before us? The opportunities and the possibilities that God brings your way, do you respond to those faithfully? I look forward to being with Jesus one day for a lot of reasons. But one of them, one of the many reasons that I look forward to being with Jesus 
is on that day, in that moment, at that time, the times that I stepped out by faith and responded to God and the opportunity he gave me, and, and I, and I just, just believed what God was calling me to, and I, and I swung hard. And Jesus is going to say, I saw that. Well done. Now, I might argue and say, but I, was, I dropped the ball. I messed up. I, I stuttered in my speech. I, I didn't do this. I wasn't faithful. No, Jesus will say, for the things we were faithful for, well done, thou good and faithful servant, King James Version. I look forward to that moment, and I want our church, I want our church to be faithful. I want our church to be faithful to the opportunities that God lays before us. That's my theme for today. Go in your Bible to Colossians chapter 1 with me. Colossians chapter 1. You know, we say all the time that we are all about pointing to Jesus Christ and his word. Well, what's that all about? Folks, we got to make sure that we put the first things first. The first things have got to be first. And the first thing around here is Jesus. If you're getting tired hearing about Jesus, you probably should find yourself another church. Because it's only going to increase. It's only going to increase. So if, if that kind of talk, you know, kind of gets on your nerves, really, honestly, get saved, okay? You need Jesus. You need Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1, we have arguably the most Christological passage in all of your Bible. I mean, this is the one. If you want to see who Jesus is and what he did and, and what, what God has revealed to us about the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, you go to Colossians chapter 1. You go to Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read now verses 15 and following. Follow along with me in your Bible. It says here, he being Jesus the Lord Jesus Christ. Clear back in verse number three. Lord Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, 
which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, under which I, Paul, became a minister. Or another translation there, servant. I want to talk today about this this focus that we see in God's word to keep the first thing first, to put the first things first, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you, to be dedicated to the kingdom of God and allow his kingship to affect all of our relationships. That's where we're headed together after today. We're going to talk about your marriage relationship, you as a wife, you as a husband, and you as a team. We're going to talk about your, your parenting relationship and the relationship of you children with your parents. All those things falling under the kingship now of Jesus. We don't understand kings. We don't operate with kings. But here we have the Lord Jesus, the one king and deliverer called the Christ. The Christ. Now let's talk about that for just a minute. Christ is not Jesus' last name. You've heard me say that before. It's his title. It's his title. And it's not a title that just anybody gets. As a matter of fact, it's a title nobody else ever really has. There are some people who are called a Christ, meaning they are sent by God. Okay? God uses a king in Isaiah 42, and he's called by this word Messiah, a Messiah. Use of God. But Jesus is the Christ. The definite article, there's only one. There's only one. And what that means is he is the king and the deliverer. And we see that in verse number 15 through 17, really. Let's look at it just for a little bit here, okay? i, I got to drive fast today, so stay with me. I want you to see that the king reveals. First of all, the king is going to reveal. He's the image of the invisible God. This word image, you know the Greek word very, very well. You use it all the time. It's the word icon. It's the word icon. And what it means is the action of God. You want to see God at work? Look at Jesus. That's what it means. Here he is acting. This is God acting. Jesus. He is God at work. He's revealing God. The king is revealing who God is. And look what it says. Look where we look to see what God is like. The firstborn of all creation, and it says, for by him all things were created. And then we get this exhaustive list so that everything is covered. Jesus made it all. He is the means through which everything came to be. Notice the end of verse 16. All things were created through him. He is the means. Jesus is the means of how we came to be. But don't miss this last part of that verse. I think a lot of us know he's the means. But we forget he's the meaning. Look what it says. All things were created through him and what? For him. For him. He made it all and when he made it, he made it for him. How do you like that? Jesus is the most God-centered person of all eternity. He's all about him. That's who he is. And so he is the means of how he came to be, and he is the meaning for your life. Wow. 
That's why we talk about him all the time. That's why we talk about him. And you can know him, folks. You can know him today. The one who spoke and we existed. And not only is he made it all, and not only is he the, the meaning, but I want you to see what else it says there in verse 16 and 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So the king reveals, but I want you to see here, that the king transcends as well. Now that's a word we don't use very often, transcends. That means to be above and beyond, okay? If I could get tall, I would, all right? Transcends means he's above and beyond. Look what it says there. He is before all things. He transcends time. There is no time when God didn't exist. And there'll be none when he doesn't. He transcends all time. But look what else it says. And in him all things hold together. He transcends. Now listen to this. This is important for us. He transcends all time. And he transcends all times. Now, I want you to hear what I mean by that. He transcends time. So beginning, end, and everywhere in the middle as Jesus. But he's holding all things together too. So he transcends all of your times. Your times of struggle. Your times of victory. Your your times of opposition. Your your times of illness and sickness and discourage and and, and depression. He is, he's transcending all of that. He's using all the times of your life to accomplish his plan. Can you see him here holding all things together? From gravity to the smallest molecular activity of my body to the the authorities in the White House today. As much as you may or may not disagree, he's holding it together. He is. He is. To the small, minutiae detail of your life. That's who the Christ is. That's who Jesus is. The one king, the one deliverer. And just, just look down at verse number 20 because I, I might miss this later on. But I want to just mention here that he's reconciling all things to himself. Mm. To reconcile all, and how does he do it? By peace through his blood. So you see, we need to put the first things first. And the first thing is the Lord Jesus. The king and the deliverer. And I ask the question, who's your king? We talked about this last week. Who's your king? And we said, you know, we don't really operate with kings or queens very often in our country. But you know what? You understand kingship. When you're operating as the king of your life, you call the shots. You you reign. You rule. Your will is first. So when we are called... To respond to the kingship of Jesus. We see he's supreme. He's transcendent. Preeminent. This verse, this passage says. That means his will is first. That's what it means. His will, not mine. Remember Jesus prayed that in the garden? Displaying for us what it means to be fully human. 
When he said, not my will, but yours be done. That's what it looks like to truly be a new life creature. That's what it looks like for you and me. That's just not a Jesus moment. That's you and me too. That's you and me tomorrow. That's you and me today. Oh God, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to, I don't really want to go there. Lord, I don't really want to, I don't want to be this. I don't really want to do that. But not my will. But yours be done. Because you are the king. You're the Christ. You're the transcendent one. See, that's why we point to Jesus. Now then I want us to see as, we, as we're moving towards really what, is, what does it look like to have the first things first. I'm going to go on in the passage. Look what it says here in verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now here we have now this group of people, they're called here the church, and we can see what they are is they're people who have been reconciled, verse number 20. The church is, is God's metaphor. You see, we have this. It's this, it's this, this body is his metaphor for these, for these believers who are in Christ and they have this now newfound relationship and this newfound identity. It's the ones who have been delivered by Christ. That's who the church is. He's the one and only Christ, and the church are all those who have been delivered by him. And the Bible calls that the body. Now, there's a lot of different ways that that figurative language that's used to try to describe us. We're called a building. Paul calls the church a building. We're, We're called a family. We're called a field in one place. That's kind of weird, isn't it? The flock. Flock of God, we're called. But I think the best is the body. I really like the body. I think it's the most clear picture of what God intends for you and me in our relationship with him. I, I love the picture of the body. Now look what it says here. He is the beginning, the first one. We'll get there in just a minute, Okay. But, but I want you to see in verse number 18, at the start it says, he is the head of the body. Head. Now, we understand what a head is. Okay, it's this thing right here, right? But, you know, head can mean a lot of different things. Head can be, head rules. The head rules. It sets the laws. The head of the organization sets the rules, sets the laws. And, and Jesus does that. It's called his word, okay? But that's not all. That a head does. A head also leads and gives direction. That's what Jesus is for the body. He, he, he rules and he leads us. And we follow him when we're obedient to his word and we, we respond to his mission. He's leading us. And my, my title at this church is lead pastor. And I, I tell you, every time I say that, I want to laugh. Yeah, right. I feel bad for you guys. Jesus is the, he is the head shepherd. He is the lead shepherd. I'm just the poor sap that happens to be standing here in this role right now, right? That's, that's all it is, 
It's a, ple- it's a pleasure and it's an honor and it's a, it's a privilege and I love it. But Jesus is the head of this church. If a piano falls on me tomorrow, don't worry. Jesus is the head of this church. And we are his body. And I want you to see what that means. We are the body of Christ and he's modeled for us what our future includes. Look at this. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, please stay with me here because this is very, very important. You can have something that's the beginning, all right? This morning, I had to relight the fire in my wood stove, okay? So here's what you do if you don't know. You take some kindling, you put it in there, okay? And you strike a match. And that's the beginning of my fire. It started and it went from there. And you know what? Certainly beginning can mean that, but that's not what this means. That's not what this means. Elementary students and elementary teachers, you understand this word, okay? Now, you don't say arche, as it says in Greek, okay? And you don't say beginning, maybe. You say line leader. Do you still have line leaders in elementary school? Yes? That's this term. That's what it means. Jesus is at the front, okay? He is at the front. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. And both of these words are meaning the same thing. Jesus was not the first person to raise from the dead. What? Yeah. There are other people who raised from the dead. Lazarus being one of many. People raised from the dead. But it says here Jesus is the firstborn and the beginning. What does that mean? What does that mean? It doesn't mean he was the first chronologically. It means he's the first cause. He's the first of many to follow. He's the line leader, folks. It's first grade. Who's going to be line leader today? Me. And then you get to walk and everybody walks behind you. And where do you take them? Well, the water fountain, or if you're like me, to recess, you know, or whatever, okay? You lead them somewhere. Jesus is the line leader. And so where's he leading us? Where's he leading us? Well, look what it says. The beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Wow. He's the line leader to new life. He's the example, the the one we're following to what he's going to give us. So when Jesus rose out of the grave alive, that accomplished a lot of things. But one of the things it shows us is what God does in us. He makes us a brand new creature. He's the line leader of new life. And it's so radical and it's such an amazing change that when Jesus was describing it to somebody, he said, you have to be born all over again. Born from heaven all over again. And the listener said, huh? Are you saying I got to climb back in my mother and be born again? And Jesus like, yeah, it's that shocking. It's that shocking. Listen, your greatest change, the greatest moment of change, okay? The highest slope for those math people here in the room, okay? The, the place where the change in you occurs at the highest rate is not at death. Not if you're a believer. When, when you die as a believer, you're just going to be with Jesus. You're already a new creature. That great change happened when you trusted Christ. That was the radical change. That was the radical moment. That was the moment 
where you became a new creature. And Jesus is the line leader of that. That's what this means. Oh, what, what great blessing this is to be delivered by Christ, to be delivered by him. And the thing that strikes me about this is that new life is available. New life is available. I received it and now it's available. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the first one from the dead, that in everything might be preeminent. Now listen, look at this. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Check this out now. Stay with me. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. So here's what this means. The incomprehensible God. God is incomprehensible. Your feeble little peanut brain cannot understand God. Don't be offended. Neither can mine. Okay? We cannot understand God. He's eternal. He's infinite. It's impossible to understand the infinite. If you understand the infinite, it is now finite. He is infinite. But in Jesus, the fullness of God dwelled, dwelled. Now that's just not about Jesus. Listen what that means. Look what God did so that man could know him. Look what God did so that we could know him. The incomprehensible becomes knowable. Don't be misled. Without a great work of God you would have never have found him. People say, oh, I'm searching for God. I've just got to find God for myself. You know who we find when we search? Not God. No one seeks after God. That's not me. That's Romans 3. Nobody seeks after God. So allow this truth to soak in. Be soaked with humility to know that God became a man and then God sought you out. Not because of anything special in you. That's who it is. To be part of the body. And I tell you, when you understand that fullness of, of who God is becoming man, when you understand that humility of what God has done, it only makes sense. It only makes sense to take him to other people. See, here's what, let me just tell you what I think people do. I think people who've been walking around church for a long time, like us, delivered by Christ, and we're the church, I think, I think we start thinking I, I honestly do, and I, I want you to really evaluate your heart. I, I think we start thinking that I gave God a pretty good deal, that, that, I, that God really kind of got lucky when I decided to move towards him, right? That, that you know, we kind of got this equal partnership, you know, this like synergy going on where, where I get God and God gets me, right? And it's a pretty good bargain that we're both working Listen, folks, that is, that is not the talk. That is not new life talk. That is not new life talk. We are children of God. We are the bride of Christ. We are friends of God. But it is only by grace that he found this wicked sinner. That's it. And see, when I understand that, when I soak in that humility, 
then I know the world around me needs him too. It's not that they're dirty, rotten people. It's not that they're wicked sinners who have rejected God so they can go ahead and get hell. That's what they deserve. You know, I've heard believers say that. I've heard believers, I think, maybe, believers say things like that. They rejected God. Let them have what they're, let them have what they're getting. Dangerous, dangerous Jonah kind of talk. We have been given the blessing, the privilege, the honor of knowing who Christ is and being delivered as one of his children and seeing that he is the start of something. He is the line leader. He's out front and we're just tailoring behind new life, experiencing new life, resurrected life. And we got a world around us that need it. And that he, it is his will now that they be reached. You know that? That's the will of God. The will of God is that this world around us hear the gospel and have the opportunity. He's not willing that any would perish, that they would hear. Keeping all that in mind, I got seven ways I want you to pray for Center Point Bible Church. I got seven ways that I want you to pray for our church. You can, you can make these every day of the week, okay? You can pray for them every day. I don't know. I got seven ways that I want you to pray for Centerpoint Bible Church because we have a unique possibility. We are in a very unique set of circumstances as a church. He is transcending all time and these times. He is ruling over these times. And he has us where he has us on purpose. So seven ways that you can pray. Number one, number one is this. I want you to pray that we would reach the Spring Mills community. Pray with me that that would happen. You know, God gives us opportunities. He gives us, he gives us amazing opportunities. But you know, if we don't respond to them, if we don't respond to the, the possibilities, we're not walking by faith. We can't pat ourselves back on the back for possibilities or for opportunities. God doesn't say, well done, thou faithful servant. You were given opportunities. No. No. Well done, you were faithful. We got to reach. We got to reach. When I say we, I don't mean me. I mean we. We. No matter what you hear in the next 15 minutes, the greatest outreach tool that Centerpoint Bible Church has is sitting in that seat right there. And I'm pointing at all of you. You are the greatest outreach tool of this church. You in the world that you're in. Secondly, you pray for Centerpoint maturity that we would be walking in intimacy with God, community with others, and influence in our world. And we say it all the time because we really do believe it. I'm burdened for believers in our church who are, do not have community. Do not have community. People that are here and, and listen, you, you got to keep your expectations in line. All right? I'm not offering you, you know, Anne of Green Gables bosom buddy. That's not what I'm offering you. But I'm offering you one another relationship. And when you offer it, believers will respond with it. So before you say, I don't really connect with anybody or I don't have a are you offering? Are you offering? So pray that there would be 
maturity. Thirdly, I want you to pray for a significant change that's happening in Pastor Billy's ministry. Now, you'll notice we've been calling Pastor Billy the connecting pastor, connection pastor for a long time. But over the years, over the last decade, Billy has been like our utility ball player. I'm not a baseball fan, but I understand there's such thing as a utility guy, okay? And what happens is this. Hey, we need a shortstop. Billy, you're in. Hey, we need a catcher. Billy, you're in. Hey, we need this. Billy, you're in. We've done to him for, for a decade. No more. No more. We've said, Billy, here's your role. Lead us. Equip us. Equip the body to reach our community. Equip a team of people. That's you. Please, do not send him into this mission on his own. He'll fail. He'll fail. He's got to have a team that we would reach the body, and we need to jump at possibilities. And we say, Billy, bring us opportunities. Lead us to opportunities. Say to us, take the mountain, guys, and we'll follow and die following you. Won't we? Won't we? Because that's God's will. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Will you follow? I trust you will. We're also having, we're, we're challenging him with this idea of equipping. That's moving people from a first time, you know how many first time visitors we have here? Over and over and over and over and over. We want to see them become part of our body. Now your immediate question should be, well, Pastor Will is going to do that. What are we going to do with our teens? What are we going to do with our students? Okay, it's time for a step of faith, Centerpoint Bible Church. It's time. We've been kicking in dust too long. So the leadership of our team, of our church, has said this. This year, 2018, we're going we're gonna to shock our church because we're hiring, Lord willing, a student pastor. It's time. We meet in a school, next to a school, down the road from a school, across the highway from a school. Good gracious. We need a, we need a man here called of God to lead our church to reach students. From first grade to 12th grade, we need, we've got to follow him, whoever he may be. You've got to pray that we find the right person. And folks, I want to tell you, it costs money to hire people. It does. And we can't produce more widgets and sell more of them because we don't make nothing. Okay? If you don't know this, this church is totally supported by the gifts of the people in this church. That's it. We don't make nothing. I don't sell books. We wouldn't read them anyway. Okay? I don't, I don't do math problems for people anymore for a living. I don't do that. Okay? I don't do that anymore. This church is supported by its people. And the leadership of our church, as we have prayed together, have said it is time for us to hire a student pastor. It's going to raise our budget 16% this year. 16%. I am a math guy, though. I know what that means. But we need the body to respond because we are not responsible for the opportunities that are given to us. We're responsible for how we respond to them. Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful. In a year's time, we need to see a man here called of God leading us to reach and disciple students right here in this area. Next week after church, after worship in the library, I'd love to have a meeting with all the parents from birth to 12th grade, we'll say. Okay? 
I'd love to talk with you. And we're, we're just going to have, a, we're gonna have a, a town hall meeting, okay? And I'll share with you where, where, where I believe we're headed with this student ministry and what, what the process is going to look like. I've got some dates up there. You get the idea, okay? So next Sunday after church. That's number four. Let's go to number five. We need to pray for wisdom about our facility. Folks, we're at a barred facility, and I'm thankful for that. But 10 years, 10 years is starting to get to be a challenge. There's things we'd love to do we can't. There's burdens that we have in ministry that they're starting to weigh heavily upon us. Honestly, just flat out honest, we need some younger men in this church to step up and help with setup. We do. I appreciate the gray hairs. I really do. But there's times when I look out at the setup crew and I'm studying for my message in that library and I see them and I think about, no disrespect, but an older man going and unloading that trailer in the cold weather. And I say, nah, I'll do it. And I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. But on the authority of God's word, it's not right. It's not right. Men, we need to step up. We need to step up. I know it's a lot of work. Believe me. I know. But we need wisdom about this facility. We need wisdom about this property. We are, we are facing huge decisions as a leadership. And we need to know that the body is praying for us. That God would direct. We're not choosing between three bad, you know. We're not, we don't have like the righteous decision and an unrighteous decision. You know, it's not like we could gamble and, you know, sell wicked things. And then we could, no, 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 no. It's, it's good idea, good idea, good idea. Which of these should we use? That's called wisdom. Pray for us. Last, next, we need full body investment. We're going to talk about that this year. Of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure. We, we have children that are with us, and there's going to be more. Think about it. We bring in a student pastor. Who's going to come behind him? Kids. That, there, it's going to happen. I've seen it happen. I've been there. Okay, you're going, you're going to see the, the draw of, of ministry and we got to minister to those kids because that's an opportunity. We need to be faithful to it. Who's going to do that, you say? Us. The body. There's joy. There's joy. Oh, you guys, I wish you could see my heart. I wish you could read really where my heart is. The greatest joy in my life has been serving God in his church. Please don't see that as manipulation. Don't see it as twisting the facts or trying to, you know, work some angle. It's just the truth. It's why I do what I do. I said, you know what? Where's the greatest joy in my life? Serving God in the church. Okay, I'll do that. Respond. And then this, the last seventh thing that I want you to pray for is that we would pursue possibilities. I, I want to see, I want to see people in our church this year do things that fail. Doesn't that sound weird? Remember the light bulb? I don't. It was a bunch of times. I don't know how many it was. Okay, but it was a bunch of times. And then finally it worked. I want to see us try things to reach people, to grow people. I want to see you go try a focus group. Let me go try it and see what it's like. Stumble in there. 
and maybe fail. I want you to try to teach in the children's area. What? Try to lead a small group in the teens. Give it a whack. What's going to hurt? Seriously, what are you going to lose? At the end of the day, do you think you're going to be battered, bruised? Is that what's going to happen? No. No. Some things you realize, I am not supposed to do that. Teenagers, nursery, whatever. I'm not supposed to do that. That's not for me. But you'll find something. And you'll be like, oh, at that moment, I was alive. I sent somebody, a, a person who ministers in our church, I sent him a text one morning. I said, how you doing? He said, nervous, excited, anticipated, anticipation. Feel like maybe I'm going to mess up. Dot, dot, dot. Alive. Sweet. Sweet. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Have life to the full. Respond to the opportunities that God brings our way. That's where life is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the Messiah. And we look to you today, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the line leader of new life. Let us follow closely behind, praising you and thanking you for the cross the whole way. In Jesus' name, amen.